So it was just a plain white onion, like not like a, a sweet Valencia onion. Vidalia. Vidalia. Sorry, I live near. Man, it's Vidalia. The Great Valencian Onion. No, that's not a thing. No, you can't really eat a whole like red onion or a, a yellow onion. Um, you could probably do a Vidalia onion because they're really sweet. So what but... the hell do you cook in that thing then? It's shaped oh. like an onion. It's the only thing you cook in there is onions. No, I that picture I sent you guys, that was a white onion. That was not cooked. And you took a bite out of it, uncooked? I ate it. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. You're, You're disgusting. calling me disgusting. All right. Okay, let's get started What's here. the title of your, your book? <laughs> the title uh, of my it. memoirs is going to be, Oh my God, that wasn't a fart, that wasn't a fart. And I'm disgusting. You You are, yes. That does not change the fact that you are disgusting. Off the rails before I even did the opening. Good job, guys. The title of my book is You Are Listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, Episode 75. Holy crap. That sounded weirder when I said it out loud other than typing it. That's pretty impressive, guys. Good work. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name's Greg, and I am joined, as always, by Rob. That wasn't a fart. And Captain Onion, Mr. Jimmy. Rob's disgusting. So is Jimmy. No, no. Uh, we discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia, and we apologize for two weeks ago. We talked about other things as well. This week... We got a pretty big episode. There's a lot of stuff. We took a week off because I was at a conference and we were busy and there's all sorts of stuff going on and Jimmy had to cover my class. Thank you very much. Yeah. And glad you had fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was exhausting though. I'm still bitter. Yes. So this week we're going to learn about Kingdom. Is it just Kingdom? Not the Kingdom. It's Kingdom. Just Kingdom. Yes. I think okay. the Kingdom is a is something that's actually a movie, isn't it? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are going to uh, weep uncontrollably to the final How to Train Your Dragon film. There is it. my child in one side yelling all over the place and <laughs> Rob's phone. I'm Pickle Rick! <laughs> yes. Oh, man. This is starting uh, off it. beautifully, people. It'll be great. I promise. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we're going to weep uncontrollably to the final How to Train Your Dragon film, which is called The Hidden World. Not me. It's kind of a, kind of a, a vague uh, title. I was, you know, like It seems like there's every other movie has a hidden world type thing to it but anyway uh i'm insisting that rob take us back into a vr world with the newest experience at the void which is based on wreck ralph and i and i think jimmy has one other thing correct yeah thanks for the invite to that dicks <laughs> I, I didn't, didn't invite anybody it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing oh you yeah, just I, went yeah, I yeah didn't it go. was just me oh, i'm excited to hear about it yeah screw you jimmy you're not gonna hear anything now oh. he's gonna we're at odds. <laughs> oh boy! And we might also take take bets on who's going to be number three because apparently we've already had one and two on the same day. One and two, what? They all come in threes. Oh, um, but there's already there has already been three. Oh, yeah. who's the third? King Kong Bundy. No, well then I thought he was number two because him and Luke Perry died on the same day. And so did uh, the the guy from uh, Prodigy, Keith Flint. Oh. Who? What day was that? Was that Monday also? Jesus. I, I woke up with it on my phone. So it's, it's he, he lives in England, day. so it might have been. Yeah. He what? He he lives in England, so it, it might have been on the same been, day. 
technically the previous day, but yeah, there's there's your three. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what, I we'll think I, were you going to do uh, Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy as well? I'd like to. Okay. Well, and that's the other thing we're going to talk about. So we're going to do that stuff, and uh, then of course at the end of the show, I'm going to rant about something. I may be a little more political than normal normal bit. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm only going Politics to suck. I'm only getting to touch upon it. Yeah, yeah. I, there's no way. Have, there's no I, way to not do it because the group of people doing the thing that is annoying me are doing away, it Greg. with away. with political uh, intent. Okay, so, it's all about the. End. This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We will try to avoid any major twists. So, if we're talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet. You might want to use your own discretion. Come back later. We'll we'll put the times in the listing so that you can either fast forward or come back. You know, however you want to do. So that being said, anything new, guys? Yeah, yeah, something pretty big on uh, on my end. Um, I got scammed. <gasps> I fell victim to a Craigslist scam. On your uh, Yeah, as uh, as smart. Against those things that I think I'm, I am, uh, I'm apparently not. So um, I'll just go into it real quick. Uh, just you know, be transparent about it. I uh, was selling some furniture. I still am. Anybody would like to buy it, please fucking buy it. Let me know if you're interested. But uh, basically, what happened was somebody said, "Hey, I'm okay with the price. I'll send you a, a bank check." And I had mentioned this out loud to people. I said, "Hey, that sounds legit, right?" I said, "Yeah, no, you're not giving them your account number or anything." Long story short, they sent me a check for about three times the amount and said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just give that to the movers when they come. Um, let me know when the bank clears. Let me know when it, you know, the check clears. I'm like, okay, it sounds all right. They said all to right. let let them all know right. when the, the check clears so that they can schedule to have their movers come grab my stuff. Okay. So I did a little research, and I found out that what these people do is they will send you this amount of money. They will say, oh, hey, I can't do it. Can you send it back? And then your bank, a couple of days later, discovers that the check is fraudulent. Um, so unfortunately, well, fortunately, I never sent that money back. I let my bank discover that it was fraudulent. However, this has caused a whole clusterfuck within my account. My bank didn't reverse the negative uh, balance in my account. So my rent check bounced. So now I'm dealing with like, all these fees and trying to recoup them. So guys never deal in Craigslist period, never deal in checks, bank checks, however legit they may sound always accept cash only. And, uh, and never buy speakers in a parking lot. And then the other thing is, uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going on a rant here, but what is wrong with people on Craigslist? They'll just be like, Oh, Hey, what's your address? I'm on my way. And they'll never show up. You got you got the scammer as opposed to the murderer, so you're actually kind of lucky. It wasn't one. Of, I think it was one of our coworkers, Jimmy, that found the person that was selling the freezer full of meat. Mm. And it was like it looked. Human? I'm not sure. It was just like one of those the freezers with the lid that opens up on the top. I um I won't say his name because it's a very unique name that you could find him easily out there. But mm -hmm. he found this and he was like, "Look!" And it was like the freezer looked like it was sitting outside one of those like carports with like a chain link fence around it. And it was like freezer full of meat free to whoever comes over. I'm like the person in that, whatever is in that freezer is the last person that came for the free meat. I'm pretty mm, sure. I, I would have went. 
Don't tell me. Don't tell me what it is. I'm going to be eating good for a few weeks. It's hobo. Uh, <laughs> that's, exa- it's, it, nah, that's exactly really what it is. I don't care. As long <laughs> as I didn't find out otherwise. So, so before we get uh, serious here, uh, this is a little bit old news for most of you guys, but The Punisher is officially gone from gone. Netflix. Yeah, I awesome. mean, the original two series will stay there, I assume, but it has been canceled even though it did well, and Jessica Jones will be canceled after its next series, basically erasing Marvel from Netflix. Yeah. And ba- that basically is basically Disney a power is allowing play. them to keep it or to keep what's already been done, just not produce anymore. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Well, I mean, Netflix was allowed to do it. They had right of refusal. They just decided to cancel it. So it goes back. So Disney didn't pull anything. Um, Netflix uh, did have a something, something in their contract that said that after whatever series ends, uh, there's a three year hold on it. So like three years from the end of daredevil, they can't make another Daredevil or three years. They can't make another Punisher. So as these three year things expire, you can look to, to Hulu or Disney plus to be picking those things up. And the head of uh, the Disney Marvel Netflix TV series thing said that it looks good that that is going to happen. However, we do have 151 episodes of these various shows that you can watch. And All then, right. And all, uh, you know, we probably should have talked about this too, but I did not put it in the list. Uh, did you guys, get a breakdown of the new Star Wars world stuff? No. Uh, yeah, some of it. Uh, so they released a lot of it. I will uh, – it looks freaking awesome. It does. They showed some of the food, some of the uh, some of the things we knew, like that the stores will not sell anything Disney-related. It's all Star Wars stuff as if you were in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a – there's going to be – it's going to be very similar to the wand-type experience, but it's with a lightsaber. Like the lightsaber will choose you, and then you can choose to pay $150 or – have a child mm. crying as you leave. <laughs> um, yep. So, and by child crying as you leave, saber, daddy. Yeah, and by child crying as you leave, it'll either be me or Rob that's crying when we leave. If well, a lightsaber chooses us it. and we don't buy it, um, they are going to have the blue milk and the green milk. I do not believe that you're going to be able to drink the green milk from a lustily staring sea cow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, would, that's a shame because that's the only way that I'll take the green milk. Otherwise, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's going to be like a melon-flavored smoothie kind of thing. Uh, some of the food that they mentioned, there's going to be cladu ribs, which uh, cladus are the two-legged things that the Gungans ride into battle. Okay. They kind of look like uh, duck-billed platypus things, or like duck-billed about, dinosaurs. What about Woo-hoo! fried pork? Uh, there will not be fried pork, which is good. Unaccessible. No, I, I would I would boycott. I'd be out there with a sign and, and like pita. <laughs> Space pita. Um, Space pita. <laughs> Hey, Greg, you do know porgs are not real, right? Shut your damn mouth. You okay. don't know that. Have you been to their planet? No. Have you? No. So porgs very well could be real. You can't say definitively that they're not. Let's see. Well, you drink from a sea cow's nipple. Yeah, I would. I totally would. <laughs> um, Give me that green milk. So the uh, the waiting room to get into the Millennium Falcon ride? is going to be the interior of the Millennium Falcon. So, like, when you go in and get ready to take off, uh, you're going to be sitting there and, you know, near the chess hollow table and things. Nice. Uh, The ride itself will be two people will get to play pilots and will actually get to fly. Two people will be gunners and get to gun. And then two people will be technicians and will be fixing crap as it breaks as the ride progresses, which seems pretty cool. But I want to fly or shoot. I don't want to fix shit. I want to do it all. (laughs) Scrape porgs off of the front windshield. 
Uh, the cool thing is, and I didn't realize this when looking at the pictures, but it is the current Millennium Falcon with the rectangular disc. And that is because the um, it is a canon theme park experience. So the whole thing is taking place in current theme in current Star Wars lore. So we are not going okay. back to Jedi. Let's raise Millennium Falcon. Let's raise Millennium Falcon. And the story is that because Ray is present, the First Order is present, that Ray has gone on a mission with BB-8 and stuff to land onto this distant planet for whatever reason we don't know yet, and the First Order is present as well as a bunch of other things. Um, oddly enough, one of I think the Millennium Falcon ride is based on one of the lesser-known bounty hunters, uh, the space pirate Hondo, which I found a little interesting. No, right? Found that okay. Found that kind of weird, but interesting. And then I heard that the first, they said the first order ride, it makes mm -hmm. the, it as cool as the Millennium Falcon ride is, they said the first order ride is, is one of the most incredible experiences you'll ever have. Is that the one that the Void's involved with? Uh, I'm not sure. I, know I would, the, the I would imagine that would be the one. Mm -hmm. uh, I, because I, I think, I think you have, because from what I, I did hear a little bit about this, um, it's, it's actually like three rides in one. Um, because you, you, you go to like several locations and you do several things and like, it's, it's like you're escaping the first order base or whatever. And so you, there's some flying involved, there's some escape involved and, and it's just, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be really immersive and a super long line. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, mm, that's going to be rough. And I, I guess they actually figured out how to do lasers in there, like that actually fly. So I'm sure, I don't know exactly how they're doing it, but there's not. There's going to be full-size uh, walkers, which we heard about before. Um, mm -hmm. There was a couple other things. I was like, whoa, this sounds pretty cool. But I cannot get the website to come up because I'm busy recording. Um, is the hotel expected to be open when the park opens? Uh, no, that'll be later. Ah. So it's called Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Um, you'll get captured by the First Order, come face-to-face -face with Kylo Ren. There's going to be a lot of actual robotic first order stormtroopers around oh that was the thing the hondo the reason i was mentioning hondo is that that animatronic for the hondo character the pirate is actually mm -hmm. the second most complex animatronic ever built and the first one is which one rob your mom yes my mom jesus <laughs> now that would be the 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 one from uh avatar the you know what's what's her name i don't know what her name is like the priestess lady the I singing think. lady yeah in the that's the boring most complex ass water ride. I love that boring ass water ride. Yeah, but um, the, the uh, flight of passage one is currently probably the most advanced one, the most advanced ride that they have, at least until the first order one comes out. So they had to, yeah, they had to top at least the flight of passage because you can't go mm -hmm. backward. And then uh, let's see the yeah, you can build your own one of a kind lightsaber. Oh, there's also going to be a droid depot where you can build your own droid, but it's not like the little toy ones. It's like a full size droid. Oh wow. Uh, so you Is will have like to bring your you will have to bring your uh, your mortgage there so you can bring one home. They of course have a little stuffed animal thing called the creature the creature stall. Mm -hmm. It looks pretty good. I'm ex I'm excited. Do they have a Snorlax pit? They should have a Snorlax pit. Yeah, they have a pit of the little frog guy. They do have a toy of the little frog guy that you see at the beginning of Jedi, like hanging out outside of Jabba the Hutt's palace. Oh, really? Yeah, you can get a toy of that and a toy of oh my god. That is horrifying. You can get a toy of a cooked porg, it looks like. I'm offended. Okay. Nice. So that was the Star Wars stuff, but there was some sad things that happened this past week. We lost uh, three stars and people that we probably all looked up to or at least kind of thought of a little bit when we were kids. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I guess I'll start off with Lou Perry. I was very shocked. And people would say he had like a career resurgence recently being on Riverdale, but he never really stopped working. And he died at the, with a stroke at age 40, 52, which is crazy, especially because he was in pretty good shape. Uh, of course, you know, we know him from Beverly Hills 90210 when he was like the coolest person in the world. And um, I believe Rob tried to grow sideburns when after, after watching Luke Perry on 90210, right? No, not a thing. Not a thing. Oh. Okay. I, I did try to cut lines into Fake my news. eyebrow. I did try to cut lines into my eyebrow after seeing Vanilla Ice, but I did not try to grow sideburns. Um, but he passed away. He was recently, he played uh, Archie's dad in Riverdale. So he was, he was uh, Fred Andrews. He was, it was a great role for him. It was a, a fun role and kind of a, a good, like warm, fuzzy dad type role. Uh, I actually had forgotten that he was on the show Oz because he lost a ton of weight for that part. He played like a, a preacher type on, on Oz and, uh, Reverend Cloutier, I believe. Uh, he was in the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I kind of remembered. His first movie, I remember being eight seconds, and I very distinctly remember putting that out on the shelf at Blockbuster for forever. It seemed to be on the, the new release shelf for way longer than it should have been. And who was he in Fifth Element? I'm trying to remember because I, I was looking at his credits. I don't a, remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't remember him in Fifth Element either. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but he was in Fifth Element apparently. Probably a villain. I'm not sure. But either way, Susan that. Uh, there's a lot of stories, of course, that came out about how kind he was and how good he was on set and how like much of a nice person he was. Uh, the one that actually got me was Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son, said that he was on an airplane once and there was a brother and sister that were fighting, like actually like like little kids that were like hitting each other and like they've they had lost it and the parents had just tried everything. And it was like, you know, three hours into the flight, this guy comes walking out of first class, pulls out some balloons from his pocket, blows them up and gives them to the kids. And walks back, and Colin Hanks is like, I think that was Luke Perry to his wife. And actually, he said, holy shit, I think that balloon hero is Luke Perry. And it turned out that as they were leaving, it was Luke Perry. And Luke Perry turned to him and said, oh, I really love you on, uh, what was it? He said he liked him on whatever role. Oh, Fargo, when Colin Hanks was on Fargo. And said that he always keeps balloons in his pocket just in case there's crying kids on airplanes, which is kind of cool. Kind of a nice little story there. So rest in peace, Luke Perry, and our condolences to your family. Yeah, I uh, didn't realize this, but he actually starred in the video for Happy Birthday, Guadalupe, which is a killer song. And he did it without pay because proceeds of that song went to charity. That's cool. And that was good enough for him. So, yeah, it's, it's sad to hear. Really sad to hear. Yeah. And I guess um, we'll just but one of the yeah continue on with the bad news. Yeah, because it, it seems as though we've gotten our three, like we talked about earlier. They usually come in threes, but all three of them have gone already. Because um, another gentleman who passed away the same day as Luke Perry, actually, was a wrestling legend. And that would be mm -hmm. King Kong Bundy. Now, I don't know how familiar you guys were with, with wrestling, but I, I mean, I when I was younger, I was... I was all into wrestling. Like I watched, I watched the pay-per-views at my friend's house. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had parties and stuff. Now the problem is, is I actually missed King Kong Bundy's window because King Kong Bundy wrestled in the WWE from like 85 to 87. Um, he, he wrestled I always, a lot. I always got him mixed up with Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, see, and I always mixed him up with George Animal Steel. I can yeah, see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but he, he wrestled from 85 to 87, which was, Either right, I think it was right before I really got into watching wrestling. Um, but then he didn't come. And then he came back to the WWE in like 94, I think, 
which was right after I kind of stopped watching religiously. So it, but I mean, I still knew who he was. He was one of the, the big heels in, in the early days of the WWE in the early eighties or mid eighties, I guess. Um, but he, and, and it made me, it made me think of some of the other things that I had, that I remembered as a kid, as far as wrestling, because I could have sworn that he was on that Saturday morning cartoon with, um, you know, uh, yeah, the Hulk one we, we think that every wrestler was on at some point. Yeah, the the Hulk Hogan wrestling cartoon, mm-hmm. and and my childhood was just destroyed as I looked up the wrestling cartoon to find out if he was actually in it. Do you know that none of the wrestlers in that cartoon were actually voiced by the wrestlers? Really? Wow. Not one of them. You know who played Hulk Hogan? I think it was Brad Garrett. I was like, what? <laughs> crap what what has happened to my childhood i was lied to all these years i could have sworn that every one of those wrestlers played themselves in the cartoon did hulk Um, hogan have an exceptionally deep voice eh, well i thought it was hulk hogan but you Mm -hmm. know i i don't know we're gonna go back and listen to it and be like oh no 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 that's not them no 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 no. yeah but yeah he he was he was one of the um the big bads um legendary wrestler uh but but it seemed like everyone really liked him like you didn't hear a lot of bad things about him and a lot well, of the and and that's that's one of the things that I that I find is that a lot of the guys who play the heels are are actually really well respected guys, mm-hmm. and and nobody really has a whole lot of bad things. I mean, I don't I don't hear a ton of bad things about many wrestlers anyway. Um, well, except for maybe Ric Flair. I've heard that he's kind of a jerk, but but all in all, you know, I mean. The, and it's and it's weird that all of the heels that I've heard about, you know, they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. Like Andre, Andre the Giant, he was he was so nice, and mm-hmm. he hated being a heel. But you know, that was that was you know his character. So, but King Kong Bundy, you will be remembered, legend, legendary for sure. And uh, we lost another legendary entertainer, that in Keith Flint, who a lot of. Um, media outlets say you know the front man of the prodigy well i suppose he was in in some ways um keith keith flint began his career with the prodigy as a dancer um back before firestarter came out firestarter you know the video came out in 1996 and it absolutely launched the prodigy into international fame I mean, I think Keith Flint actually bought his mansion that he continued to live in very shortly after that came out. And um, he, of course, was the uh, singer in Firestarter. A lot of people refer to him as the Firestarter. But The Prodigy, for me, opened up a whole whole new world of electronic music. Got me into bands like Rammstein and Atari Teenage Riot. And they're a big reason I still listen to the electronic music that I listen to today. Um, you know, Liam Howlett, who is behind the prodigy, he's the guy who kind of does all the music and everything is an absolute genius. And he had, you know, these two guys, uh, Maxim reality and, and Keith Flint were, you know, like I said, the dancers, but were also featured on a lot of their tracks in, uh, the fat of the land, which was their first big release. Now, before that you had music for the music for the jilted generation, which is a fantastic album and the prodigy experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after the Fat of the Land came out, I really dove into their back catalog. And uh, that that's a hard one for me. Um, they were going to play Rockville 
and I, I was telling Greg that um, not, not even Tool, you know, playing Rockville this year, but I was like, oh my god, the Prodigy's gonna play. Yeah, I don't think I've ever I ever saw them, and I've seen a bunch of bands. No, the, I've, I've been the a music Prodigy. Was, was very fractured back then, mm-hmm. where it was like you like metal, and that was it, and or you like rap, or you like country, and there was of course the alternative that kind of breached a little bit of some of that, but. I remember when Prodigy came out, it was metal, but electronic, and it really opened up. Like, you could hear it in clubs, and then it segued seamlessly into rock music, or into dance music. Yeah, it was it was genre-bending. Mm-hmm. Before, before, like, the crappy rap metal that came out. Oh. And I, I remember going to a Midnight Man... Well, you were probably young when, this came, when that came out, but I was in college when that came out, and I remember there being a bidding war to get the Prodigy when they when they were going to leave England and come to America. Mm-hmm. And very distinctly, I remember reading the article about how Madonna's Maverick Records, that was the very first signing that they had. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that this band, which I had known a little bit about, or this group I had known a little bit about, was picking up, being picked up by Madonna. And I remember going to a Midnight Madness to pick up that album and it melting my brain on the way home. And this was back in the days when you didn't have a CD player in your car unless you like had that little tape cassette thing with the wire that was coming out of your tape cassette and plugged into the the little CD player that you sat on your armrest and hoped that it didn't fall because it would skip. Yep. And your I, discman. Yep. And I very distinctly remember buying that, and it got me into Crystal Method. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal Method, not, not Crystal, Crystal Meth. meth. <laughs> no, I was already long into Crystal Meth before that time. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, so it, that was that was a tough one for me as well. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I I thought it was a joke. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Kerwin was the one who who shared that information with me, and yeah, it it sucked. You know they they've been they've been still putting out great music for the past several years. They didn't, you know, they kind of faded away a little bit, but the the stuff that they've put out was is just so good. Um, after the fat of the land and I'll share a little story real quick from, uh, one of my favorite electronic bands who, you know, I kind of really got into because of the prodigy and it's from a group called faithless. Uh, faithless said they were, uh, quote, devastated to hear the news of Keith's passing faithless and the prodigy have shared many of the same stages and crew over the years and toured together in SA back in the day. He was so loved by so many around the world and gave of himself with such a panache. Uh, they continued, he also got back on stage and gave it after 100 miles an hour bike crash into a wall. This man was a titan. Now, I don't know that story, but... That's crazy. Um, That'll yeah, love, and, <laughs> love and respect to all his friends, family, fans, band, and crew. We must look after each other and not be afraid to seek help. So... Um, it has been re- reported that he uh, did commit suicide, and uh, you know we hope that if if anyone is out there listening to the show with with those thoughts, reach out reach out to someone who cares about you. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. You can get through it. Yeah. And uh, before before we stop our news, Rob, I'm putting you on the spot one last time. Mm-hmm. This is not a sad thing. You saw the new Game of Thrones trailer. You texted me about it. So. For when you saw the Game of Thrones trailer, how hard were your nipples? Like I could cut glass. That's what I thought. And you're just shooting green milk out? I was. Yeah. I was shooting yeah. my own green milk into my mouth. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> like a fountain. Well, I know what our right. image is going to be for the top of the Facebook page for this podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing it. 
Rob suckling one of those Yagamis or whatever. <laughs> Just give me an audible I, chill. I, have you guys not seen the trailer? Uh, I, I have twice. I just watched it today. I, I, yeah, I was like, I'm so excited for this season. Yeah. I have some concerns because as I was watching it, every character that they showed on the screen, it was like, oh, sweet, hope she doesn't die. Oh, sweet, hope he doesn't die. Oh, sweet. And I'm like, they're all going to die. They're all <laughs> going to die. Like seeing Arya actually scared at the beginning of it, seeing mm-hmm. the only thing was like that Cersei was smirking and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, but but at the end of it, Cersei was standing in her throne room drinking that cup of wine and she had tears in her eyes. Uh, almost like, almost like, you know, like there was somebody else in the room. Like my thought was, was that the Night King had come to, had come to the South and she didn't know what she was going to do when she was all alone. Yeah, there was some, a little bit of introduction of some other new character in gold armor that at first I thought was Jamie Lannister, but I think it's, it's, it's the Golden Company, the leader of the yeah, Golden Company. Yeah. The one that they sent, uh, the crazy dude out to get. I forget his Urine name. Urine Greyjoy. Yes. <laughs> Urine. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Not looking forward to our double mm-hmm. podcast that we do on those weeks, but it's only six of them and it'll be worth it. I'm so excited. It's going to be a good couple of months. Cool. And let's move on. Jimmy, earlier this week, you had mentioned that if I was looking for something to watch, check out Kingdom. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I am excited to hear about it. Yeah, if you're looking for something to binge watch and you've you know binged on everything else, Kingdom should definitely be up at the top of your list. It is a, um, you know, we talked about this before, in a genre that's so polluted by so many bad movies, to get a a new zombie movie or series with a, a fresh take on it is, is so refreshing, and this is definitely one of them. Um, it's directed by Kim Seung-hoon and written by Kim Yoon-hee. It's based off of a webcomic that I've never heard of called The Kingdom of the Gods. And it's set place in medieval Korea. So basically, without giving too much away, the uh, benevolent crown prince Yi Chang is the son of an absent king determined to find out what has happened to his father. Since he's been barred from even entering the king's chambers by his conspiratorial, conspiratorial mother, the queen, and her royal advisor, Cho. When when you read when I looked at the script, I thought you said the benevolent clown prince. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, there's a clown fighting zombies in Korea. That's interesting." No, no, not quite. Yeah. Um, but there are little bits very early that like, "Oh, well, where is the king? What's really wrong wrong with him? Oh, is it smallpox? You know, which is the excuse that they give." And when uh, the crown prince Yi Chang. No, when Yi Chang finally gets in and says, I demand to see my father, uh, the royal advisor Cho is sitting in front of his, his bed and says, oh, he went to the queen's, you know, chamber. He's fine. But something obviously is not right. Um, as a fortified village sees the outbreak of zombies after the starving inhabitants consume a soup made by a mysterious arrival. Um, and I don't think they ever actually give his name. So this character reminds me a lot of a character from 13 Assassins. And I have my own theories on that. If you haven't been, seen 13 Assassins and you have no idea what I'm talking about, but he's just kind of this guy that shows up and he's, uh, yeah, he makes a soup out of a dead person. Um, but 
he he really seems to uh, have the best interest of the people in mind. As crazy as that sounds, he didn't know it was going to start the zombie outbreak. So, bit of a spoiler there, but it happens in the first 20 minutes of the first episode. So, yeah, I think we're good there. Yeah. It's not too um, much of a spoiler. No, it's, it's, it's not. But this guy kind of just, he's always there when, you know, a character is about to meet their doom. He has a very peculiar fighting style. He, he doesn't really, he won't run up and like punch somebody. He'll just throw his entire body into them. Um, if they have to get out of a door, it's the same thing. He just throws his whole body at it. He's a really good shot, which is rare. And, uh, you're still left with, with questions about him. So he is definitely the most intriguing character of the series so far. I, I want to see this. You I, should. You I definitely am, should. I am always interested when I start, when I watch a bunch of stuff and usually this happens throughout like the, the fall TV season through the, you know, when things start winding down in the spring, uh, everything is good, but fairly formulaic because it's made for that, like, you know, thing happening, commercial thing happening, commercial kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then it has to end on a certain note and whatever. So it's pretty formulaic. And every so often, like, I really need to see something from from a country that I don't know the patterns. So, like, I don't know a lot of Korean films. Like, I know that there was like one year that I you know, I did the what was the train one? It was really good. Uh, Last Train to Busan. Yeah. I think it was just trying to boost on, but that, I mean, like watching yeah, that kind of like, oh, wow, there's something different out there. And a couple things like that. And this looks like it's definitely going to, going to work for me. Yeah. And it definitely, I've never seen anything from, you know, the period in which this takes place. So <clears throat> it's all very, very new and fresh and beautiful. Uh, the costume design is absolutely outstanding. And, you know, I only assume that it's based off of historical reference. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautifully shot. The zombies have so much individual attention paid to them that you're not just like, oh, that one doesn't look so great, you know, cause that really throws me off. Yeah. Like um, the, the zombies that are like three zombies back from the camera and there's just like a dude in green face paint. Yeah, exactly. But there's a very original take on them and, um, um, I'm conflicted as to, to saying what they, what they do. Um, but I'll go ahead and say it. So here's a, a, a spoiler alert. <laughs> but, I can't stand it. Hold on. So if, if you want to take your headphones off for a second, I'm go ahead and say this. It's a spoiler alert. However, I'm not spoiling it entirely. So these zombies, unlike, I guess, any others, um, seek the darkness when it's light outside. So as soon as the sun comes up, they scatter and they hide under rocks and they hide in caves and they appear to go to sleep, which gives a lot of time during the day for the people to fortify and set up defenses for where they are. But there are also people out there who are pursuing the crown prince with their own agendas so this is happening during the day. And you mean the, going, the clown prince? They the wanted clown to make, prince, yep. They wanted to make balloon animals for them? Exactly, because yeah. they're all upset children. And they want to smash pies into his face. <laughs> yeah. Well, who doesn't? Exactly. Yeah. But you think, okay, great, they've got some time to chill out. They've you know survived a night of attacks, and then they have to fight their own people. So, Are, are there swords? Yeah. 
lots cool. of swords. I mean, There's I mean, lots of sword fighting. Um, guns are kind of reserved for the the higher class, um, which it makes it all the more intriguing why this like peasant dude shows up and he's just really fucking good with a gun. There's a there's a scene in episode four that made me like cheer out loud where our protagonists are using the fog to their advantage and they're kind of fighting around the fog um, while they're heavily outnumbered. So wasn't that a Shyamalan movie? Nah, mm, I don't. This was done better. No, the fog was John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, Ooh, and he wears a cool hat. The hats are super cool. Who, who's wearing the hat? They've got. Uh, it's like a black hat. It looks like the Undertaker's hat, but it's mesh. Yeah, he's got that one, and then the uh, like the other like royal um, like defenders have these two giant um, feathers on the sides of their hats. Nice. So yeah, it's just really cool costume design. It looks really good. Uh, reminds me of 13 assassins. Like I said, but with zombies also reminds me of the movie hero with jet Lee. It definitely ends on a cliffhanger. And unfortunately season two only began filming this month. So it's going to be a while. So you've plenty of time to check it out. If you're a fan of martial arts movies, if you're a fan of zombies, this is a beautiful mix of the two. Um, definitely, definitely check it out. And a very interesting historical perspective. Well, this past weekend, actually two weekends ago, because it's been number one for, for two weekends in a row, How to Train Your Dragon 3 came out, The Hidden World, and I am a big fan of the How to Train Your Dragon series. Yeah, particularly, I, I am as well. Particularly because the, the dragon, Toothless, very much reminds me of my my dog that is no longer with me, Scouters, because she was very aggressive and kind of snippy when I first met her, and then she kind of warmed up to me. Well, she always warmed up to me, but she I don't know, she just always reminded me of Toothless so much that I used to have a little plastic Toothless in my car when I drove around. And so it was, you know, bittersweet to see the, the series go. Oh, and it, but, it's def- it definitely ended. Yeah, and, it, and it's based on books, and I, I don't know exactly how the books work, but... It's. I'm guessing it's pretty close to what the way the the author had it intended, and I think it was a good time for it to end. But mm-hmm. um, how did you? What did you think of the movie? Did you like it? I did. I did. It was. It was definitely had a a sadder tone to it. I mean the the whole the whole time you're you're realizing what's what's about to happen or what's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. I mean, re, you know, I think as no, soon as at no the very beginning, at yeah. the very beginning when he like pats the pats the dragon on the nose like oh good boy and he's kind of treating the dragon a little bit more like a a pet like a puppy or a pet i was like oh they're really hinting at something here but it's funny that that is the saddest because like in one of the movies he loses the leg his dad and when the next movie he loses his dad right it's it's mm-hmm. dad first then leg or leg first and dad. it's leg first and dad leg first then dead yeah so it's crazy that it could actually be worse and if you you know and my kid's pretty sensitive, and I will say that he cried like a lot um, at the end of that movie, and you know was very much upset, thinking that you know he was saying like I don't want to go, like because you know people have to eventually leave the house, you know when you mm-hmm. when you grow up and become an adult, you do have to go off on your own, and it's better for you, but it is still a sad experience, and when you're a six year old, you might not understand that. Um, you know, the, the one thing I thought that they did very well, and you kind of forget, because when you saw the, the island at first, and they had, like, dragons everywhere, mm-hmm. like, kind of destroying things and whatever, but you're like, okay, 
how is anyone ever going to be strong enough to take down this island? Like, how is there going to possibly be a villain when there's like 4,000 dragons just waiting there? Yeah. And they do a really good job of, of making this guy kind of fearsome because of the fact that he can be treated as an alpha and basically take control of whatever dragons he finds. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. And sort of well, Game of Thrones. He re- but he requires drugs to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes and no. Oh, and uh, I'll, I'll address it later, but I think I, I think I realized a mistake. Or I think I, I caught a mistake while, while we were going, huh. while we were watching the movie. But so he, uh, no, I thought he was, it was a pretty good villain. I thought that, uh, the new dragon design, some of them were pretty cool. I like the one, like the big antlers, like the big horn kind of things. Um, you know, it's it's a very creative world, and they have a lot of fun playing in it. And I I really actually enjoyed that quite a bit. So, what what yeah. mistake did you think you found? Is the, this... well the the villain the villain was really believable. Um, he was kind of like a ninja, and he's like this this hired mercenary or whatever that the uh, that the coalition or whatever it is of these other bad guys brings in to help them with the dragon problem because they can't push because of the dragon riders of Burke. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get rid of the dragons and they bring in this guy who's the dragon hunter and he's um, subjugated a bunch of dragons under his control and whatnot. But he's kind of like a ninja and he actually kind of threatens Hiccup and and gets in there and j- just to show him, hey, look, this is what I can do. You know, you really can't do anything to stop me. Um, oh, when he goes into Hiccup's like house? Yeah. I was like, whoa, all right. Um, but yeah, the villain was super believable. The people are weird. They move to another island and they're like, hey, let's just set up here. And it's like, wait, I thought we were running. What happened? Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's a story you, you kind of see a lot, I think. I know there's like a, some sort of biblical text or something where people are heading to one place and then just decide on their way. They're like, oh, this is good enough. Let's just stop here. Yeah. So there was there was a like I was saying earlier, there was a scene where he you remember he cuts loose the light fury at the end and then he flies away on the light fury. Yes. After after he's cat after he captured Toothless and and the Light Fury, I don't even know if they actually named her or not. Um, but after he's captured Toothless and the Light Fury, and he's threatening to kill them or kill her to uh, to get them to cooperate, Toothless gets free and he cuts the Light Fury free to fly away, and he cuts off the muzzle and he cuts her free. But then in the very next scene, she's got the muzzle on, and I'm like, wait a minute, I. I actually watched him cut that off. How did that get back on? Uh-oh. And and I I don't a know if continuity else... error is what you're finding there. Yes, yes. I don't know if uh anybody if anybody else caught that or not. And uh, I I did like all of the characters grew. I'm pretty sure they dropped the voice of one of the characters out of the movie completely. Oh really? I'm not entirely sure, but I I thought that one of the twins was voiced by the guy that uh, the crazy dude the that was in Deadpool and like called in a bomb scare and all that stuff. If I'm not wrong. Oh, was that him? I thought so. I might be wrong. Let me, let me check or else, you know, TJ, 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 TJ Miller. Yeah, he was. So he's not in, he's not in the, uh, uh, that movie, but he was in the other dragon movies, how to train dragon too. So tough nut. And which I thought was actually interesting because those twins actually had a bigger part in this movie than in the past than the mm-hmm. past other two movies, which I thought was kind of interesting, considering the fact that the, they changed the voice to what I'm assuming is a relative unknown. Probably when it was written, that was not the plan. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that Kit Harrington was Eret. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I was looking at, at uh, the credits afterwards as well. 
Either way, um, like I said, it was a very. I thought it was a very good movie. Um, the ending is very sad and heartwarming, and it was actually a little. It was a little surprising. I thought, just based on what I would have done if I was if I was creating that movie. But I do. They kind of left it open ended, where it was like the dragons are still here. They're just hiding until man proves that they can exist without trying to hunt them. I thought that was kind of kind of cool. Without trying to hump them? That's what I heard, too. <laughs> yes, without trying to hump them. Like, you wouldn't hump a dragon. Uh, I totally would. See? And that's, I mean, why they're, and that's, that's why they're hiding. Also, hunt. After you're done humping them, you want to hunt them so they don't talk about it. This got dark. Yes. Well, we, told, we said it was a sadder movie. So, all of that being said, Greg, one, I want to know, how did you enjoy the movie? And two, given our rating system of uh, new releases, where would you put it? I actually liked it quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I would say see, see it in the theater. Um, I'm always looking for good movies to see in the theater with my kid, although, again, he was he was very sad at the end, although it wasn't it wasn't like a death sad. It was uh, people moving on with their lives sad. And so I would say see it regular theater, not an IMAX or anything like that, but it was worth seeing it in the theater. It was a beautifully, so, it was a beautifully done movie, and I, I very much enjoyed it. So... Would you say matinee then? Like opening, I do, what, what? I don't even remember what our freaking rating system was. <laughs> was it? Um, it was like think, matinee. Yeah, matinee. I think it's. I think it's opening day matinee, five dollar Tuesday dollar theater rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so matinee. Matinee. Okay. Yeah. I I also would say matinee. I I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. It wasn't anything that that I'm going to remember for a long period of time i mean it was it was enjoyable for the one time that i saw it i i may see it again like if it's on tv i might catch it but it's not anything that i'd go out of my way to see again um but yeah it's it's definitely a matinee there's there's enough pretty things to look at to warrant seeing it on a big screen yeah okay jimmy could you tell us a little bit about larry charles dangerous world of comedy yeah absolutely and i'm i'm very happy to do so this is not a huge time investment it's a four-part series on Netflix, and Larry Charles, if you don't know the name, he's been involved in pretty much every big comedy sitcom as either a writer or executive producer or producer. Uh, he was a writer is he the on- one with the big beard? Yes. Okay. Yep, he is. Uh, he also uh, wrote and directed Borat and Bruno, so definitely politically incorrect. Um but what he does in the series, in each episode, he examines a different, um, I guess, not so much way of life, but a different aspect of life and tries to find out what can, you know, what humor can be found in these very sad, for the most part, situations. And that's in, walking a freaking razor's edge. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. In the first episode, it's called The Survivors. And he goes to, you know, countries that have, uh, that are either still with the presence of war or who have recently, uh, and are trying to come out of that. And he speaks with the survivors, basically people who have been affected by war and how they are dealing with it, um, with their own brand of comedy. He talks to basically he goes to places where you think like nothing should be funny, but he talks to people who are dealing with it and coping with it with humor. Huh. So, 
Um, it's it's very much he goes to places and he talks to people who could be killed for doing their brand of comedy. Um, he talks to a guy in Iraq who openly criticizes the government, who openly criticizes ISIS, who had been kidnapped by ISIS and survived only by telling jokes. And they were like, oh, we think you're funny, so we're not going to torture you that hard today. Um, God. Yeah, it's it's pretty gut-wrenching. Um, people talk about, oh, yeah, there's one guy in particular. He talks about how he watched his sister get stabbed to death, and uh, he's, he's made um, a, a career out of comedy, not out of comedy based on that event, but it's his way of coping and dealing with things. Um, episode two is even more gut-wrenching, where he talks to the soldiers who were involved in these wars. So it's not only soldiers that we think in Iraq and Afghanistan, but he talks to uh, child soldiers from Liberia who have now turned to comedy and who are trying to escape the absolutely horrendous lives that they had under warlords. Um, Kidnapped and, at a young age, forced to fight. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's hard. Um, he he talks to a uh, former Liberian child soldier, this guy who goes, goes by the name of Special Forces, and he um, pretty much entertains people in the street to get enough money to be able to have food. And while a lot of these people just seem so shell-shocked that the the things that they've seen are so incredibly unbelievable that they're just kind of dead to it. Um, he talks to this one guy and he breaks down and it's the hardest freaking moment of the series to watch because this guy needs to just having a regular conversation. Larry Charles asks him the question and the guy just stops talking. And Larry Charles is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. What did I say? I'm so sorry. And he puts his hand on the guy's sh shoulder and he says he after composing himself, he says, no, sir, I understand. Um, you know, I understand your question, but, you know, it's it's very hard. And that was just freaking hard. They talked to um, survivors from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. One man is, is burnt, um, probably 100% of his body. But the way that he deals with it, um, aside from going to therapy every single day, he does comedy. And he's hilarious. He uh, <laughs> There's one joke he, he, he says in there and he goes, look, now, I, I don't know if a lot of you ladies know this out here, but once you go hooked or once you go cooked, you're hooked. God. Yeah. Wow. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's how these guys deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the biggest regret of a lot of these guys, these, these warriors, um, when they talk about their biggest regret is that they came home and their buddies didn't. And that's where every single one of them breaks down. Huh. So it's, that's kind of common too. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are so excited to be to have survived, and then like, but my friend didn't. Yep, uh, there's one guy who got shot in the head, and he recorded himself finding out that he got shot in the head. <laughs> and yeah, he 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 recorded. I, I'm only laughing because I'm thinking of the joke he said. Um, he said he uh, he survived only to to go on and continue the campaign by. Um, stupidity and fear or stupidity and adrenaline because he did not want to leave these kids who were 18 and 19 years old um, without any leadership because he was like 25, 26 at the time. 
and he tells a joke that uh, he's like, oh, yeah, man, like, you know, a lot of girlfriends get pissed at their guys because they don't remember shit from five minutes ago. But he's like, I literally can't remember shit from five minutes ago. <laughs> so he's like, nope, got shot in the head. Sorry. And that's his excuse. So or that's his joke, I should say. Um, episode three is about race. It's a it's a hard issue. There's a woman there who starts off the episode named Miss Pat. She is a survivor of uh, domestic abuse, of uh, gun violence, and she opens with a joke that she says, yeah, I've been through so much of my life. I've been shot twice and run over by a dump truck. And she goes, yeah, y'all don't care about who shot me. You want to know who ran me over with a dump truck. And it was the same guy that shot me. So it's Is it, was just, this in America? Uh, this this was in America. Yeah. Yeah, there's an uh, there's a guy named Boonk or something that they featured after that. And he's this like YouTube comedian, but he's not really a comedian. He's just kind of a thief. Like he'll go into places and be like, oh, how much is this thing? And he'll try it on and be like, oh, Boonk gang. And then he'll run out. I'm like, I don't see how that's funny. Or why it's a good idea to record yourself doing that. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah. Greg, you might talk about this here in a few. There, he um, he talks to some you know extreme right comedians that um, I won't even mention by name because I don't want anyone to look them up and give them any sort of views or anything. But he has like a Skype conversation with one of the guys, and the guy just they're talking, and he goes like. Don't get me started on Jews. And he just goes on for like 30 minutes. And Larry Charles is just sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it, it's not even funny. It's just hateful and awful. So uh, Trevor okay. Noah. Those people. Was, yeah. Trevor Noah was featured in this episode. He's just – he talks about his time and, you know, the apartheid and how uh, he's of mixed race and his mother wasn't even allowed to hold his hand in public. So some, some his book is really there. interesting, by the way, I, I, I want to read it. It's uh, yeah. aud definitely audible because he does it himself. But oh, his, good. his father or stepfather shot his mother and his mother was like too much of a badass to die. Oh, so she was like, wow, she like he like shot her. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's all you got. <laughs> and like, you gonna have to do better than that. <laughs> yeah, except she's from like South Africa. So different accent. But. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting. But the thing that's most interesting about it is what you said. Like, we don't really know too much about South Africa other than, you know, a little bit about apartheid and stuff like that. And it tells mm -hmm. talks a lot about the culture and about, like, the people that drive the big buses. It is really interesting. And, like, I learned a lot about the country above and beyond learning about the comedian. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. He He talks about how he you know, made it humorous, but how he'd be walking down the street with his mother and she would be holding his hand. And if a soldier came by, she would like drop him and pretend that she didn't know him. And it almost became like a game for them hmm. that she would let go of his hand and be like, Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know who this child is. Um, so sad, but of course he puts his twist of humor on it. Uh, the last episode is uh gender where, you know, uh, there are, are female comedians fighting for their place in the comedy world in places such as Saudi Arabia and Nigeria, and it is pretty goddamn depressing. Um, female comedy in Nigeria, especially, um, is just really it's it's really sad. Um, the uh, the biggest male comedians um, in the country all seem to have a repertoire of rape jokes. 
and uh, they think it's hilarious. And even when confronted with this, and even when they face international backlash, what Larry Charles does with this is uh, he'll sit down and speak with these com- these quote comedians, and they'll be like, "Oh yes, I'm very sorry for the things that I've said. I faced a lot of backlash." And then he'll be like, "Oh yeah, this was in 1998." But and then it'll cut to and like show these guys telling more jokes about the subject. Like how they're like, oh, I'm so sorry to the international community, but they're like, oh, yeah, haha, this is so funny, even after that. And he talks to a um, like the biggest host in Nigeria for this thing called The Other Show, which is kind of like a daily show or, you know, something like that. And the guy just goes on this whole explanation of how men can't take power away from women because women have so much power already. And it's just like, what? Like, you have to see it to really understand what I'm talking about, but – um, it's a very revealing series and, uh, you know, not a huge time investment, but, but emotionally it's a, it's pretty challenging. So, um, if, uh, if you want to kind of broaden your horizons and see what people think is funny in the rest of the world, check it out. But it also, um, calls to a lot of the injustices that are going around across the world. So God, what a it's, downer. Yeah, yeah, we've been I'm like sorry. all depressing this episode. It, yeah. Oh, Jesus, that big bummer sandwich. Let me try and lighten it up a little bit. Please do. Um, I, I actually had the no, opportunity. No, I want to wallow in my sadness. Yeah, yeah. And your and your own sad juices. Yes. Um, I had the opportunity. Did you guys know that there was a uh, a new experience at the Void at Disney Springs? I did. I just had not had I a chance did. to do it. Okay, I, I hadn't known about it until fairly recently, and I actually had the opportunity to go and check it out when I was there, I think, last weekend. Um, they have a they have a new experience at The Void, and for those who are listening who may not know what The Void is, it's a virtual reality experience at Disney Springs called uh, Secrets of the Empire, in which you put on virtual reality helmets. They put you into, this, into these virtual reality worlds where you can interact with people and interact with objects and basically go through a mission. The, the, the Star Wars one is you're posing as smugglers, breaking into an Empire base, and the things that you encounter and how you get out, and you actually get blasters, you get to shoot stormtroopers and stuff like that. So it's and, a lot of fun. And you actually get to walk around, which is what makes it a little different than the average right. uh, mm-hmm, for right. VR. You're not in like a pod or like you know walking in place or anything. You're actually moving around, which is kind of cool. Right, and we covered they, you, it on a move, past episode as well. Right, you you move from room to room, and the the rooms have walls, so you're kind of you're kind of centrally located, and you can actually see the other people who are in there with you because they're they're represented by their own avatar, and they're picked up in your headset, so you can see the other people that that are there, so you're not bumping into anything. Mm-hmm. But they have a new experience, which is a Wreck It Ralph experience. So you've got, I believe they call it Wreck It Ralph Rex VR, but it's it's essentially the same thing, but with a Wreck It Ralph skin. Okay, uh, so it's the same path, basically. And well, that's one of the things I was noticing. I I'm fairly certain that it is the same path, but it doesn't quite feel that way. And the only reason I picked it up was because there were certain rooms and scenes that I absolutely remembered, and I'm like, oh, okay, we're in this room now. I know what room this is. Okay, and but it kind of makes sense because they're not. They're not going to, they, they want to have the rooms be able to be used for everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have the same setup is understandable. 
but you know it it's different enough that you don't really notice it until you get to the big sequences like you remember in secrets of the empire where you were over the the lava pit and the the giant caterpillars were coming out and squirting fire or spitting fire at you and you had to shoot the fire out and you had to shoot the caterpillars yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that they've got they've got a room that's like that and that was the thing that I was like oh this is the lava pit okay because gotcha. that room in the regular Ralph one was a room full of hungry bunnies, hungry kitties. Oh, nice. And and you had a pancake launcher gun <laughs> that also fired like a Sunday bomb. And you had to shoot all the <laughs> you had to you you had to feed them basically. You're you're feeding them pancakes with your pancake launcher. And they, they just keep popping up all over the room and you're just trying to 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 shoot everything. They did have some interactive games which I thought was really neat. Um they had one where one person essentially it was kind of like a space invaders it was a giant space invaders and you had to shoot the the aliens as they worked their way down but somebody i didn't i manned the gun and the tank so i was it was kind of hard to do both moving from side to side moving the tank and operating the because there there were four buttons the up and down buttons make the tank make the tank uh barrel go up and down but then the left right buttons move the tank so you're trying to move the tank and then you shoot and you're like oh crap i'm i'm aiming too low so then you aim up and then everything's moved by that uh, point. Gotcha. <laughs> because everything that you're shooting at is like moving down like the uh like the aliens in space invaders okay. there was a part where you were flying the so, spaceship too where i think jimmy got to hit the buttons if i remember correctly correct um i don't think we were flying a there's something spaceship. where we had to open no, up was, oh it was to gather yeah. it was to grab the the contraband or whatever it was well, there was like a sign. Oh, you're Sense talking about in the yeah, Star Wars yeah. one. And that was probably what that turned into. You had to repeat the code, and the longer it took you, the longer your people were shooting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize what I had yeah. to do. So I was like, oh, crap, I'm sorry. It's taking so long. Now, did they have anything actually what? there? Like in the Star Wars one, you actually had some droids you could touch in real life. Was there like a Wreck-It Ralph or a Vanellope or Fuzzy Bunny that you could actually touch? I... I'll have to go back to find that out because I didn't... I, I touched, like, a bunch of the walls and mm-hmm. stuff. And at least one of the attendants, right? I did. I did. And, so and you can't go back, and so Jimmy and I will go back instead. No. Yes, go check it out. It it really was a lot of fun. Uh, the Void has done a really great job with their virtual reality experience. I will say, as far as the fun factor goes, the Wreck-It Ralph one is a lot more fun than the Star Wars one. But the Star Wars one really elicits a lot more emotion because if for nothing else that scene at the end of the star wars one where you're confronted by vader is like oh Oh, my god yeah that i wanted to turn and Mm -hmm. run away yeah like oh shit (laughs) so as as far as the fun factor goes wreck it ralph definitely wins but as far as the the emotional pulls of the of the event uh the empire one wins hands down cool well, if you happen to be at uh, Disney Springs, listeners, feel free to check that out and tell them to give me five podcasts sent, sent you, and they will look at you with a very confused look on their face. Well, this is the Give Me Five Podcast, and as you know, we end every episode with a top five question, and since we are just really being depressing tonight, and we talked about an yeah. animated film that was also sort of depressing, our very quick to figure out top five question was, what are the saddest animated films that you ever saw? Jimmy, it's your lot in life. Go first. It is. So I'm specifically talking about movies that had the saddest mm-hmm. parts. Um, 
Yeah. Animated movies with the saddest parts. My number one is, oh, well, no, sorry. I'm going to start with my number five. And that's going to be Coco. My number four is Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. Number three is no, The I Land Before Time. that movie very well. Uh, what either. was the big sad part? Is it Does the world actually end in that movie? Or, like, almost end? No, Land no. Before Time? It's like a is Bambi mom. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, big, uh, Littlefoot's mom. Okay, Littlefoot's Little mom. Yeah, yeah. Littlefoot's mom. Mm, that was really hard to see as a kid. And number two, speaking of, is Bambi. Mm-hmm. My number one is going to be the scene from the movie Up, where I was just like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. That's so damn sad. Um, yeah, more so emotion Up in the first five minutes of one. the movie Up, uh, before there's even any words spoken, I think, really. I mean, yeah, I guess there's some. Then yeah. in all of the Twilight yeah. series. More. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And on that note, I will go number five, Coco. I, you knew it was coming at the end and seeing, was it grandma or great grandma? Mama, Mama Coco, right? Uh, yeah. Seeing that mm-hmm. part and her not being there in those scenes. It's just, uh, every time I walk into the Mexico was exhibited Epcot. I still tear up when I see that. Uh, up again, Jimmy already talked about it. I had, to, I don't like this movie per se, and I'm definitely not going to see the quote unquote live action movie, but Dumbo, uh, God, the, the, mm-hmm. the trunk thing where the, the baby's being pulled away from the mother and all of that. And just the clowns mm-hmm. making fun of Dumbo and it's just, it's unnecessary. Poor little baby elephant. Also one of the only, or the only Disney movie that is named after a derogatory term for the main character. That's true. I could come up with something like horrible, but I won't. Just throw, <laughs> yeah, it's just true. It is, named, it. It, is a, it is a slur to the poor, poor uh, little elephant. Uh, Bambi. I think that a lot of kids our age and younger, or our age and older, rather, uh, learned about death from the beginning of Bambi or from Bambi. And probably some yeah. of them you know, hate hunters as a result. And my number one is Toy Story 3, which actually was sad when I saw it in the theater, but it has become more sad since I have a kid and just knowing that, you know, seeing the kid grow up and go off to college and just knowing like how fast time really goes. And that one's a tough one. And my God, my kid for a while, that was like the only movie he wanted to watch for like two weeks. And it was like, are you kidding me? Me and my wife are like, no, you have to be in the room with it because I'm not doing it. So the end of Toy Story 3, I'm not he, doing it. You know, I can't sweet, do he it. gives his toys up. To a little girl that, you know, lives at a kind of a, uh, with a woman that, or her mom is, works at the daycare. So he donates his toys that you know of from the first toy, two Toy Story movies. It was a perfect ending. I am not entirely sure what they're going to do with Toy Story 4, and I'm not super thrilled about that idea. Rob, uh, you, you have. They're going to rake they're in gonna, more money. Yeah. That's what they're going to uh, do with So, uh, Rob, you, you have no soul and no feeling. So, um, I'm wondering what you came up with. I, I actually had a couple on my list that I'm surprised you guys didn't mention. But I, I will give an honorable mention, and it's it's honorable mention because I haven't seen it, but it is widely recognized as one of the saddest animated films of all time, and that's Grave <laughs> of the Fireflies. So I will no. I will acknowledge that one. Like I'm I said, I, I haven't seen it, but it, it is on many, many lists. But I will start my list at number five with one that was on both of your lists. Yes, both of your lists, and that'll be Bambi. The, the scene where Bambi's mother is shot is just absolutely heartbreaking. One of mine, what actually came as I was a teenager, but that doesn't make the scene any less sad at number four yeah. is going to be Lion King with the death of Mufasa. 
and watching Simba crawl up to his his now dead father and lay with the corpse. <laughs> kind of morbid when you think about it that way, but totally heartbreaking just watching Simba and th- and and knowing that he thinks it's his fault and Scar, you know, putting it on him. It's just so dark. So that makes my number 4. My number 3, one of one of the most sad powerful openings to any movie has got to be up. Just absolutely heartbreaking watching watching them live their life together and then seeing Ellie get sick and seeing Carl fight and seeing Carl go to the hospital and then you realize that he lost Ellie. And it's like, oh my God, what are we doing in this movie? What <laughs> what happened? Where is this going? <laughs> this is, I don't, all right. So one of, one of the most heartbreaking openings to a movie, I, I gotta say, is Up. At number two, I had I had a movie that is an absolute downer for like the entire movie. And I have no idea how this got a G rating <laughs> and this was a kid's oh, movie yeah. in the 70s. That's gotta be Watership Down. I'm like, are you kidding me? This Rabbits is a kid's movie? Each other to shreds. What the hell? Ripping each other apart. They're suffocating and dying underneath the ground. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. It's like a big old rabbit yeah, genocide. The, Holy uh, crap. You guys have the, mentioned that one before. Of the, the, I'm just my, like, no, you know, every family no, has I'm their good. own lore about like things that have happened. And it kind of comes up in different you know, family things. And one of the big ones, of course, is my, my aunt calling up my mother when we lived in Pittsburgh. She lived in Ohio. And she was like, oh, they made this really great movie from this book. It's called Velveteen Rabbit. You should take Greg to go see it. And I was like five. <laughs> no, no, it was, or not Velveteen she Rabbit. Was, I'm the sorry. Wrong movie? I, I was looking at the Velveteen Rabbit when I said that. Uh, Watership Down. <laughs> I was going to be like, oh my God, she took you to no, Watership it was, Down. It was, it was Watership like, Down. And she, she was like, I, of course, freaked out. And, you know, it was one of those, like, what the hell were you thinking? He's like, well, the book was so good. And her kids are a little older. So I guess that was the thing. But no, the, and the Velveteen Rabbit, I was looking at it, but it's a TV movie. So I didn't uh-huh. have it. But that was also pretty damn depressing. So anyway, go on. Mm-hmm. But my number one was actually one that didn't show up on either of your lists, and I'm fairly surprised because I, I know you've probably seen it. Oh, ouch. But that would be Charlotte's Web. Oh. And and at the end, when Charlotte passes away, and and Wilbur is sitting there going, Charlotte! Charlotte! It's like, and then you realize <gasps> it's a spider, and those devil creatures all need yeah. to die. Yeah. And Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Because out of out of her corpse comes like millions of little babies, but then the babies all fly away, and then it's sad all over again. And it's like, what are you doing to me? Charlotte would save the pig. That's no bacon for us. Exactly. And that's even <sighs> we're monsters. Good list. Good. I, I I actually think of Charlotte's Web more as the book because that is actually my mother's favorite book. So so it was one of those like you know we would buy her. I bought her a uh, nice copy of that book at one point kind of thing. So if we, we want to, are we going to fight this one out? We haven't done that in a while, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm to, I'm totally vying for Charlotte's Web for number one. Um, well, Charlotte's Web, I remember reading that before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Or when did that movie come out? It actually may have come out a long time ago. Let's see. I don't know, I'm I'm well. I'm I'm not putting them in any actual order here, but the stuff that ended up on all of our lists up Bambi, uh, Toy Story three was on a bunch. Yeah, Toy Story three was on two of them. Now, did you guys just forget Charlotte's Web, or would it not? I don't think it would have really made my top five top because five. I actually liked it better as a movie. I liked it better as a book. You are a monster. I liked it better as a book as well. Um, the well, it's not which one you liked was better. I mean, it's the saddest it? animated movies. It was 1973. The animated film came out. Um, 
it, it didn't really make my list because I can remember that, you know, reading that in class. So I, when I actually saw the movie, I was, I wasn't really, I knew what was going to happen. So that's why it didn't make my list. You are like, it didn't affect me as much. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I, I put it on there, but I wouldn't put it as number one. Well, but I mean, when she died, I knew she was going to die. Again, I mean, they were leading up to it the entire movie. And then I literally killed two of her this week and it saved my wife's life. Cause you know, she, so I, I can I just, accept I it can't. being on the list, but I can't accept it being number one. And I can also accept the Lion King being on there. I, I can't accept Charlotte's web at number five. I, I, I see where your, where your list is right now. <laughs> I wouldn't put it at number five. I might put it at, mm, I wouldn't, mm. I would put it no lower than three. That's what I was thinking. So Charlotte Charlotte's Web at number three. Famous what did you movie. just type? That's not the name of that. I mean, Bambi's the famous one. Like that's the one. Bambi is the famous one, but it's also not the one that elicited the greatest. Uh, the greatest well, uh, yes, because I was really emotion, young when I saw it. it, but probably not now. Okay. Now, Toy Story three, like I said, was the the top. I would I would vote for Watership Down at number five, just because the whole movie is just a big old. Yes, but what is that? Just, does that God? Does that and that's fine. Is a downer. I've never seen it. I don't know. You guys tell me. I would say Lion King at number well, five. See, I have not seen Watership Down. I would I would bump Toy Story three with Lion King just because mm-hmm. Toy Story three didn't really affect me because I don't have a kid. I was like, ah, well, but toys have up, soul, man. That's yeah, whatever. You don't, so it doesn't matter. So, well, one is I think one should be Bambi. I think two is a universal so, kind of feeling up. I said feeling up. <laughs> you guys seem to insist that Charlotte's yeah, Web is at three. I, I'd say uh, that's a good point. Watership Down is harsh, but, and yes, relatively sad, but you don't really get to know the characters if I remember correctly. And say Lion King at five, bumping Watership Down. Toy Story at four. Uh, simply Lion for King the fact that five. I haven't seen it. Toy Story three, and then Lion King. I would flip flop Lion King and Toy yeah. Story. Well, I'll, so uh, to, to close this out here, we've got uh, number one Bambi, number two up. Number three, Charlotte, and depending on who's reading the list, either Toy Story 3 or Lion King at four and five. So go out, watch movies, be depressed. And if you um, are really depressed by uh, kids getting older, then Toy Story 3 will depress you. And if you are really depressed about rabbits ripping each other's faces off, then <laughs> then Watership Down will depress you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry about this episode, guys. Don't forget Iron Giant. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Well, it's time for the rant, and I am the host this week, so I get to rant about something, and we try to stay away from politics, so I'm going to try to be a little less political about something, but um, I think all three of us are very excited about seeing Captain Marvel this weekend, and we're very excited about the trailer and all that, and so the other day, my, my we were going to pick up the dog from the vet, and there is a very politically charged house uh, on a kind of a country road near our house. And there was, they always have various political signs up. And this week they had, or I don't know how long it's been up there, but it had a big sign that said, thank God for Caucasian males. Stop the abuse. What the fuck? Yeah. That's what I was, tra- I was trying to tell you today, but I couldn't figure out a good way to say it. And I was scared to like look up what, if that meant something else, you know? I agree. Wait, what? Yeah. So that was that. So my wife jokingly said something along the lines of, well, are, are you okay? I'm like, huh? She's like, are you abused? Like, no. <laughs> so 
that was kind of the start of the day. And right around the same time, I started seeing stories about people trolling, which I hate that term, but review bombing the movie Captain Marvel. Because, God forbid, Marvel, after 21 movies, finally has a movie with a female lead. So what was happening was basically people were going on to Rotten Tomatoes, like to the user reviews. Now, mind you, the movie is not out yet. And they were writing a bunch of bad reviews on a movie that doesn't exist yet. Um, I will read some of them. Now, some of them, I don't, I think that they were probably written with ill intent, but I, do, but I do think they could have been legit reviews. Like, I didn't find anything interesting in the trailer kind of stuff. Okay, that could be a legit review, but love Marvel movies, but I'm going to pass this one on this one with all the S, with all the SJW political BS, which is social justice warrior bullshit, bullshit. Now, I went back and looked at the trailers, and there's nothing. The only thing that might be related to that is they start off the word hero, and they, they do the H-E-R, and then the O appears a little slower. So it's her O. Okay, so I don't see anything like that. Uh, this old white guy won't be seeing it. The uh, Let's see. This movie looks boring. I'm tired of identity politics. I was offered a free screening, blah, blah, blah. Um, Larson has made it clear, so Brie Larson, the actress, has made it clear that men do not need to attend this movie. So I was like, okay... Before I'm actually going to put myself on tape here on podcast, was something said? So I went and looked, and there's a few. Here's a few things that may have set people off. One, Brie Larson, who won an Academy Award for The Room because it was a story about a uh, basically kind of a, a fictional account of one of those like women that gets kidnapped and like locked away for a while, and she won an Academy Award for it. I believe that she had to give away the Academy Award next year to Casey Affleck. Yes. And he had, in the process of getting nominated, it came up that he had been sued and lost for making sexually inappropriate moves on other actresses, uh, and he did apologize for his past behavior, but it was true. So she didn't say anything. She just didn't clap. So, okay, maybe that set some people off, but I think she has every right. And then there was another thing in a press junket, um, an interview for some ma- uh, some magazine. It wasn't Vogue, but one of those like stylish magazines or style magazines. She mentioned that one of the things that she thought was a little different was when she goes, does a lot of these, the press junkets for um, superhero movies that almost every reporter out there is predominantly white males. And that she thought that it'd be kind of cool if there was, so when she asked the various facilities, can, can other companies get, or can other people, other reporters get press documents as well, not cutting anyone out, but like, can like, you know, uh, the BET magazine or, you know, whatever other groups, can they get some, some things as well? They always made excuses as to why they couldn't. So she said that while she was doing this stuff, she asked a friend of hers to do like a study on this. And it turns out that like of the reporters, like 75% are, are white male and then all the rest are other, either female or whatever. So that set people off. Anyway, basically, uh, what it came, comes down to is, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality can feel like oppression. And that's basically what it comes down to is the people that are these reporters and these and the the writers and critics for these movies are largely white males. And it's a boys club and they don't want anyone else to be part of it, especially when it's superheroes, because we own the superheroes because it was always our thing. Superheroes can't be women, that kind of stuff. And if you think that white males are at all discriminated against in this country, then you're an idiot. If you feel 
the need to put a sign in your front yard saying that men are in danger, white men are in danger, and God bless them and stop abusing them. And you have some real soul searching to do. Because if you live in this country and you're a white male, things tend to be a little easier for you. And if you're still a loser, then that's probably on you. And if one Marvel movie with a female lead, the first, mind you, out of 21, is enough to set you off and you spend your time trying to type up bad reviews for it and wait until a certain website unlocks just to drop those reviews in the chance of hurting the movie, then maybe that soul-searching should fall on the lines of, why am I typing up bad reviews instead of trying to do better for myself? Or trying to see why I can't handle a female lead in a movie, or an African-American lead in a movie, or a movie that doesn't make the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy as the hero. Now, to be honest, I don't really think Marvel cares very much about the opinion of these trolls. They may not even be real people. As we saw with the Star Wars movie, there was a bunch of fake reviews posted by Russian troll farms, which uh, sounds a little more adorable than it should be. But anyway... The movie has come out with its the third most early ticket sales of any of the Marvel movies. I think it's just behind uh, the Avenger movies and Black Panther. And so they're going to make their money, and the sad trolls are just going to be sitting there wondering why their pitiful little reviews didn't work. So, guys, do better. There's no one against you. Let there be diversity. Diversity is good. Diversity is interesting. And spend your time doing something more beneficial to the planet. Anyway, let's close out here so that Rob can go online and, and complain about a movie that he hasn't seen yet. <laughs> I I don't do that. I know. I love movies, man. I don't care what they are. I, it, it doesn't matter what they are. I love seeing movies. I love seeing good movies. But to me, a good movie is is in in, in and of itself a its own you know thing. It it doesn't matter. I, I don't look at whether or not it's it's you know the first female superhero or the first this or the first that. You know it that doesn't matter as long as it's a quality movie. I'll watch it. It yeah. I did finally see a Star is Born. It was really good. Was it? Yeah, very good. I heard, I heard it was super depressing at the end. Yeah, I mean it's based off of several other Star is Borns that tend to skew towards like Hollywood type stars, but it was excellent. Uh, the the two leads, of course, Bradley Cooper and. Lady Gaga were incredible. A lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. A lot of chemistry and just like, they were good. Like they were, you actually cared for the characters. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was good. But I watched a documentary on Studio 54 and I couldn't understand why I was just sitting there in my underwear. <laughs> it just happened at some point. He just, he woke up with his face, like he had taken a mirror off of the wall and his face was in just a pile of cocaine. Didn't know where any of it happened. Just like, why am I naked? What happened? <laughs> Just good stuff. So, guys, that'll close us out for the night. If you would like to get in contact with us, contact contact with us. You can find us on Facebook for searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. And if you'd like to send us an email directly, it's Give Me Five Podcast at Gmail dot com. The five is spelled out. Is not the number. It is F I V E. 
And if you could leave us a review on iTunes or whatever application that you listen to us on, we'd really appreciate it. Helps us, uh, you know, stay relevant um, so we can bring you guys more contact. We content. We uh, we also have a store. Oh, you can also review bomb movie. us on the Internet Movie Database if you'd like. Please don't. Not, not if you're like. A Are we on the Internet Movie Database? No, no, we're so. not. But so they can't. You're a liar, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a bad review. Please don't. <laughs> uh, we have a store that we're always adding new stuff to. You can find shirts, mugs, uh, bath mats, mouse pads. Whatever you want to show off our awesome logo to your friends, it is uh, giveme5podcast.threadless.com. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We're so sorry about the depressing episode. We can't end it like that. You need to say it. Say it, Jimmy. All right. I'm going to do my best. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Thank you, friends.